0: I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week, we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. I recently had the privilege to be a guest on Power Up, the sports ministry podcast, which is an outreach of our daily bread ministries. Power Up is hosted by veteran broadcaster, Bill Houston, and former LPGA pro, Tracy Hansen. And if that name sounds familiar, you might recognize it because she was a guest right here on the Pursuit of Gold podcast not too long ago. We talked with Tracy back in episode 20, where she very vulnerably opened up about recognizing and overcoming abuse. It's been a powerful episode for many. So I really encourage you to go check it out after you listen to this episode, of course. In this interview from Power Up, we get to dive into the athlete's view of ministry and competition. And listen up, as I share a lot of things really close to my heart that I don't always get a chance to discuss in other arenas. So this episode feels pretty extra special to me. After you're done listening, be sure to find and connect with Power Up Sports Ministry on Facebook and YouTube. And hey, if you've been enjoying the Pursuit of Gold podcast, be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening and give us a five-star rating and review. And if you're loving the show, make sure you're sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. They'll love you for it. All right. I believe that there's gold in your future. So let's dive on into this episode.
1: From our Daily Bread Ministries, this is Power Up, the sports ministry podcast. I'm Bill Houston.
2: And I'm Tracy Hansen. Thanks for joining us today. Our goal is to encourage, challenge, and train as we power up together in the ever-changing world of sports ministry.
1: And you know, Tracy, it's always exciting when we can visit with a gold medal winning Olympic athlete and one who desires to honor Christ with her life and her ability.
2: That's right, Bill. Uh, We have a wonderful guest today, and it's U.S. Olympic diver Laura Wilkinson. Laura captured Olympic gold at the 2000 Games. She is now training in hopes of competing in her fourth Olympic Games. Laura, welcome to the Power Up, the sports ministry podcast.
0: Uh, Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm really excited to be here.
2: Well, we uh, could talk about a lot of things with you. But before we get into kind of our topic around Jesus and competition... Why don't you just give our listeners a little bit of a brief history of, of yourself and your maybe even a little bit of your faith and your uh, journey to where you are today? A brief history, huh? <laughs> Right.
0: Well, I've been in my sport. And, yeah, I've been in my sport now for almost thirty years, so it doesn't feel real brief. Wow. Um, I started diving in high school. Uh, I was a gymnast growing up. I started diving in high school. Uh, lots of ups and downs, but got to the Olympic Games in a very short amount of time in six years, and actually won proceeded to go to two more games. And then I retired to start a family. We now have four children, two uh, via birth and two via adoption. And it has been awesome and insane and all the, the good things that parenthood <laughs> and family should be. And I decided apparently I need a little more crazy in my life. So I decided to uh, start diving again after a nine-year retirement. And here I am trying to make my fourth games in Tokyo this summer.
1: Wow. There are so many ways we could go in this conversation, but I want to back up for just a minute. You (laughs) talked about diving in high school. Was there a point, did I read correctly, that your coach said, no, forget it, you shouldn't be doing this?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's some layers there, just like most (laughs) things. He was a swim coach and did not appreciate us divers. and. He mainly didn't like me because I showed up to the class every day. And so I got kicked out. I was told I was a waste of space and I actually lost a half a credit for that year in school because I got put in a study hall class. And it was really frustrating, especially with any authority figure, even when you don't like very much or when you don't agree with anytime something like that happens, it's really hard to take because it's an authority figure, somebody who you're supposed to respect and um, listen to and learn from. They tell you those things, you know, it can send you off in one of two ways. It can either kind of break you and make you think you're nothing and you're not good enough or it can kind of light a fire and make you want to kind of prove them wrong. And so fortunately for me, it lit a fire. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Kudos to you. I mean, you could have taken that and really it could have been a negative thing, like you were saying in your life, but it certainly didn't turn out that way.
0: Yeah. There's always people who are going to not just disagree with you, but think you can't do things or tell you that you can't do things. And I guess I've kind of learned, I've had so many people tell me that, you know, in my life that I've just learned that like, that's their opinion. And just because they have that opinion, doesn't mean it's true. doesn't mean it's a fact. And it doesn't mean I need to stop what I'm doing because it's wrong. It doesn't mean that at all. Usually it's very much embedded in that own person's insecurities. And you don't realize that when you're younger all the time, but you know, now that I've had a lot of time to experience that over and over again, I've learned that like, this is more of their problem than mine. And I don't, I don't have to believe that, you know, I have these dreams and these goals and I'm going to go after them.
2: Yeah, those are really good words. I hope our listeners take that in that um, because so often we hear what other people are saying and we take that as a personal, that we need to absorb that. And I just think of your story and I had one person in my childhood career saying that I would never make it to the LPGA Tour. I can't say that it motivated me or not, but I do remember when I heard that I had a little bit of like, well, I'll prove you wrong. And I did. So I think a lot of athletes... Experience one or the other of what you just described, share a little bit about uh, your faith with our listeners, like when did you come to know Jesus and how did that interplay into your sports?
0: Well, I grew up in the church, I grew up in a Baptist church, and you know i I got baptized pretty young, I think I was like eight years old because um, it just seemed like, well, why would I not do that why Why would I not believe in Jesus? like it just made sense to me, so you know I, I did that and kind of You know, walked through that for a while. And then my freshman year in high school, we started going to a different church um, where some of my friends from high school went. And I loved their youth group. It was great. But when we would hang out after the youth group, you know, people were acting totally different than they were at the youth group. And I I really couldn't stand the hypocrisy. It really, it really bothered me. I didn't understand how they could profess to believe one thing and then act completely different. And so I stopped going and slowly but surely found my way to become exactly like them. You know, and so like that's just something that's always hard. And I think it's it's kind of a common experience, unfortunately. Um, but instead of like embedding myself and, and digging in deep with God and dealing with that, I just kind of separated myself from all of it. And, and I ended up saying, oh yeah, I believe in God, but I was totally acting not like that at all. And so it wasn't until kind of the summer between my sophomore and junior years, I had been having a lot of issues. I had lost um, several people very close to me um, through death and was kind of dealing, wrestling with all of that. Got into a really negative place, and and I kept thinking, um, you know, as long as I have diving, I'll be okay. Like everything else in my life felt like it was falling apart, like everything, but I had diving. I was like, as long as I have diving, I'll be okay. And all of a sudden, I started. We we pick up visual cues in the water, like you have to see the water each time you flip to know when to kick out and how to land on your head. And instead of seeing the water, I was seeing the sky, and I was getting very disoriented, and um, I couldn't figure out right set up from upside down, and I was taking these really brutal hits. And I was becoming terrified. And and it it spread from that one dive to all of my dives. And in the middle of that summer, experiencing that, was like this one thing I was hanging on to was like slipping right through my fingers. And we come to this really big meet. um, It was called the Goodwill Games. And it was in New York City. It was on live television. It was in front of a live audience of like 4,000 people. I had never been in an event like this before. It was huge. And I was terrified. And I was dealing with all of these things. And my coach wasn't even there. I had another coach coaching me. And I kind of felt like I was at the point where I wasn't going to live through this competition. Like it was that overwhelming to me. And I remember there were some swimmers from my college team that were there, uh, namely Josh Davis. And, um, I knew that he was a believer. And I remember I saw him in the hot tub and I was like, can I ask you to pray for me? And I couldn't tell him why I'd never even asked anybody to pray for me before, but I was like, just please pray for me. I'm going through something. And that's all I could say. And he was like, okay, okay. You know, and that's all I said. I'm just dealing with all this stuff and in the middle of our Finals, you know, I'm I'm just getting to this point where this dive is getting closer and closer and and I'm such a wreck. And I remember walking up the ladder for this dive as I'm waiting for my turn. I see Josh walking in to watch me in the arena. And it was like because he showed up in the middle of my competition, I just felt like, okay, God's here. Like it just kind of felt like even though I had made a mess and I was terrified and I was going through all of this stuff, I had reached out and I kind of realized that. I had taken the reins of my life and I made a mess of things, but I was reaching back out for God. And I felt like, because I saw Josh, because I'd asked him to pray and he showed up, I felt like God hadn't forgotten me. And I remember before this dive, it was this handstand dive. And I just remember thinking, okay, I may not live through this, but... I want to trust you. And I literally want to put my life in your hands right now because I've made a mess of it. And surely your plans have got to be better than mine, whether I live through this or not. And it was kind of the first time I really remember feeling repentant, if that makes sense. The first time I was really like, I not just, I love you, God. I, I believe in you, but I really, I made a mess. I don't want to live life for myself. I want to follow you. And I want to live my life for you and kind of make that whole 180 change. And you know, And it was going into this moment that I felt like was the end of my life. And the, and the cool thing was, I mean, I don't remember seeing anything in the air. I don't remember coming out of the dive, but I remember being under the water going, okay, I'm still here. <laughs> like, I think I landed on my head and I'm still here. And it was just like, it was shocking to me. And I ended up not just surviving this competition, but I won. And I had no business winning this meet. It was like the top eight girls in the world were invited here. I, I had no business being on the top of the award stand. And I just remember thinking... That God was saying, Look, when you trust me with your life, I have plans for you. I have a purpose for you. But you have to trust me with your life. And it and I knew in that instant it, it wasn't like he was going to give me all these gold medals if I if I trusted him, but he was going to protect me and he was going to do things for my own good and for his purpose. And I could trust that. And so that's kind of really where my life I felt like began to change. And I was very slow to mature, but um, it has gradually happened over time. I'm happy to report.
1: <laughs> wow. If we didn't have any more minutes with Laura Wilkinson, that right there was gold. It really was. That's awesome. And I'm just thinking too, Tracy, about the many who will listen to this podcast who are sports ministry leaders dealing with athletes and coaches and so forth. And Laura's comment about Josh just showing up, he was there. Laura knew that he was praying for her. That's what it's all about. As we deal with those that we come in contact with, showing them Jesus, showing them that we care, and, and that's what He did for you, Laura, and uh, that made a huge difference in your life. Man, I am—that excites me.
0: Yeah, it was, and it's cool. I didn't even tell Josh right away. I mean, it really wasn't until a handful of years ago when he was writing a book using a bunch of different athletes' stories. And uh, he wanted me to be a part of that. And so I finally told him all of that and he had no idea. So wow. it, was, it was really cool to finally get to share. And, but that also tells you, like, you are probably impacting people's lives all over the place and you don't always see the fruit of that. But you've got to know when you're trusting God and you're doing what he's asking you to do, like waves will be made, seeds will be mm-hmm. planted, you know, and, and the harvest will come.
2: And when you were praying and you were like, okay, God, I'm at my wit's end, basically. You didn't pray for the wind. No, you prayed to survive. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly
0: didn't even pray to survive. I was just kind of like, I don't know what's next. Uh, And I, and I just knew that I, if I was in charge, I was just going to keep screwing it up. And so at that point I was like, if this is the end, this is the end, but I, I want the end to be in your hands and not mine.
2: Yeah. So you've competed a lot since then. And then you took your uh, nine years and now you're competing again. Um, How do you take your faith in your maturity, and your relationship with Jesus into your competition today?
0: I mean, it's still, it's ebbing and growing all the time, right? I mean, I, we just don't want to stay static. So we're hopeful. I'm always growing and changing. And, and it's been different because I've had to try to remember how to compete and like relearn that a little bit. And I'm a different person than I was 10, 15 years ago. So it's going to look different. And I have to be kind of gracious with myself on that. And, and um, I think last year, I felt like I was still really figuring it out before the shutdown. And we just had to meet... Um, in Georgia. And it was only the second time I had gotten my dives off, but it was so um, reassuring because the whole time I was just like, I don't care what the scores are. I don't care if I lose to a bunch of 15 year olds that have never done tower before. Like (laughs) I just want to feel confident and I want to trust you because I feel like I've kind of asked him to take this away from me a few times. If this isn't what he wants me to do, because I want to make sure it's not me leading him. I want to be doing what he wants me to do. And instead of closing doors, he has kept opening them when we felt like there was no other way through. And he has made it very, very clear that this is where he wants me. And so I'm like, if this is where he wants me, be my confidence, because I don't feel like I have that. I don't know what I'm doing. And I just, I want to start changing the way that I feel about what I'm doing and the way that I feel about you when I'm doing it. Like what's the purpose of me being here is I want to impact people and I want to make a difference, you know, not just in how I die, but in who I am, on and off the pool deck, you know? And so really, I think going into it, Georgia was really special for me because I was able to just stay within the moment and just kind of trust him with it and not worry about what just happened, not worry about what was coming up, but just trusting him in that moment. I mean, you always as an athlete, you know, and Trace, I feel like golf and diving are are very similar. You have this like split second to do something and then all this time to think about it. right? (laughs) And, And so that's what I thought was really great is I was much better at staying in the moment because of him, because I was focused on him And not the good or bad I just did and not worrying about what the outcome was, but I was very good at staying back in that moment and being present with him. And that's when I died my best. That's when I feel connected to him the most. And so, um, yeah, I feel like that's my happy place.
1: And you've commented that the postponement of the 2020 games to 2021 really was a gift for you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I spent all of 2019 coming back from a two-level cervical fusion. So I had an anterior cervical uh, disectomy infusion. So a real fancy way of saying I got a titanium plate in my neck right now. And so, yeah, it took me a long time to come back. I've never seen another diver come back to platform after that. So I didn't really know what that would look like if it was possible. So I took my time. Um, and so really early in 2020, in February and March, um, I had just started to get my dives off again and compete again. And you know, I didn't feel real prepared. I didn't feel fully healed. I didn't feel really strong, but I felt like we were kind of sliding, you know, sliding into home, trying to make it to trials. Um, and so when the postponement happened, I thought, well, this is going to be awesome. Like I have a whole other year to make sure my body is good, to like get more confident, to get more dives off, to just feel great going into, into the trials and Tokyo. But then we haven't had access to platforms since the COVID shutdown. We have actually just gotten back on platform a couple of weeks ago. So I've only got my dives off about three times. So you know, there were some blessings in it. My body does feel a lot better. Um, We did have access to a lower level platform, which I didn't have before. And so that's actually helped my confidence a lot. So I've been forced to stay on a lower level, but doing sometimes the, what we call lead-ups, like if we do a three and a half somersault off the 10 meter, we'll do like two and a half off the five meter. So sometimes that's actually harder to make, but you have to do the same actions. And so I'm getting a lot more confident there. So when I'm going up to 10 meter, it's not as hard and scary as the last time I had to relearn my dive. So it's, it's been, God always gives you these challenges that you're like, no, I don't want to go through this. But he <laughs> uses those to equip us in ways that we can't even fathom to, to help us for something bigger that's coming ahead. And so trusting him in that process when it's like, I don't see how this is going to work. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm going to trust you in any way. And then he does something really cool. It's just a a neat blessing to see that.
1: And and Tracy, I got to follow up one quick question here. When you took that first dive after neck surgery, I mean, were you thinking, what in the world am I doing here? Maybe this isn't the best thing.
0: Yeah. I was really scared because I, I was still really stiff. So I was released after about, I was in a neck brace for a good six weeks and then did rehab. And so I was released after 12 weeks, but I was still really stiff. And so yeah. just, just doing a fall in from the little one meter springboard was, it was a little nerve wracking, especially the first one where I had to go backwards. Cause you have to tip your chin up, which moves your neck. And I couldn't do that very well. And so those were really scary at the beginning. I mean, it took me a good year to get back up to 10 meter, like to slowly work my way up. And the first time I kind of, cause it's real easy. I mean, you hit the water from 10 meter, like 30, 35 miles an hour. So even when you go in well, it can hurt. And, and the first time I really jerked my neck to the side, I totally p- panicked underwater. And I remember coming out going, all right, I can still move. I'm still good. I think we're in one piece, you know, it was kind of, it's just real. It's a real nerve wracking experience, but yeah, now I'm like, okay. I think I'm going to hold up. And and my surgeon has said, he goes, you know, if anything happens, he's like the part that's fused together, that part is not going anywhere. So you're, you're good to go there.
2: (laughs) What I hear and what the little I've read about your sport history is you've had a lot of challenges. I mean, you, you know, from a young diver to the Olympics and coming from behind and retiring. Uh, I want to talk about your family here in a little bit. And then now coming back neck surgery and as you are out there competing and around your teammates in the Olympic world, or maybe even if you coach, or um, I know you have some stuff on your website that you offer, how do you share your faith with other competitors or um, either on your team or the people you're competing against? Um, because there's always like this, well, for high level athletes, sometimes in the Christian world, we're like, well, go out and use your platform to share Jesus. And I'm kind of on the board of like, you know, yes and no, you know, because we are Christians who compete yet we're there to, to compete in our sport. So wh- how does that work for you? especially on that Olympic level? I mean,
0: I totally get what you're saying. Um, and I do try to, you know, talk about my relationship with Jesus and my walk and, um, like online. No, I definitely try to, to put that out there when it's appropriate. And I'm not shy about doing that because it's a very big part of my life and people who know me know that. And and I think as far as affecting the people around me, it comes down to relationships. You know, it really comes down to knowing the people you're around because you can't approach somebody who is a believer, but maybe not very mature the same way you would approach somebody who is very much an atheist and wants nothing to do with that kind of conversation. You know, you have to be able to meet people where they are and talk to them where they're at, if that makes sense. And people know where I stand. Like I don't shy away from talking about them to anyone. So I've had people come to me when that time is right. And when they have the questions, people come to me with those questions because they know where I stand. They know I'll be honest with them. Or if I don't have the answer, Hey, I'll go figure it out and I'll come back and talk to you about it. So... I think it's really about forming the relationships and knowing the people around you, whether they're competitors or um, teammates or anything. And some of the best conversations I've had is with my most fierce competitors, um, you know, who are still dear friends today. So yeah, I think it just kind of depends. because <laughs> it's that's not a great answer. but
2: No, I think it's a, it's a perfect answer. And, and Bill, as you know, how often does the word relationship building relationship come up in every guest that we interview.
1: Yes, that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it's so vital. And uh, I I think it would be really interesting to hear uh, from your perspective, being an athlete, being around athletes. I mean, if you were to switch roles for a day and your job was to minister to the athlete, I mean, what would be a couple of things you would do immediately that you know would make an impact and, and help? Uh, further along the message of Christ to someone maybe who, like you were saying, they really have no interest in that kind of thing.
0: Well, for sports, especially my sport, um, I think just reminding people that their their whole worth and value isn't because of their score at the end of the competition, or it isn't how good of a diver they are, how good of a practice they had, or what place they're getting, or the scholarship. Like They have value because God created them, because they're fearfully and wonderfully made, um, and that in its own right, they were created for a purpose on purpose. Um, nobody was an accident. Nobody was not meant to be here. Um, and so just reminding them that they have value no matter what they're going through in the pool. For me, I just think that's a good reminder because we get really caught up. Even when you know these things, it's easy to get sucked up into that kind of mindset. So Mm -hmm. I think for athletes, just constantly, constantly reminding them that like, you are not the sum total of your score or your place at the end of the competition. Like you are far more valuable than that. And if you get injured and you can't go on tomorrow, you still have value and purpose
2: and you were created for that purpose. And God can use that.
1: Yes. So good.
2: Yeah, good words. Yeah. It makes me think too, like for our listeners who are mostly in sports ministry leadership, back to that ministry of presence, like you show up whether they're on top of the podium or whether they've miss the competition totally and that you're the same, whether they're the the number one athlete on the team or whether they're the practice player um, mm-hmm. that you treat yeah. each one the same with the same dignity is just a really good mm-hmm. reminder.
1: Yeah. Tracy oh, mentioned sure. your family too, Laura, tell us about your family. Very, very interesting group.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it happened kind of funny. I mean, there was a time where we didn't know if we could have children and so, and my husband didn't want to adopt at the beginning, um, but finally God totally changed his heart on that. And we, um, decided to adopt our first child uh, from China and that was going to be like a three-year wait. Um, but a few years into it, it became this really long wait. And so we actually got pregnant during that wait, uh, with our oldest now, Ariela, um, who's almost 10. And so when she was born and she was almost a year old, that wait from China was getting longer and longer. So we decided to switch to special needs and we got matched really quickly. Uh, We were able to pick her up a couple months later. So it was a little over three years total, but when we brought her home. She and my oldest were only six months apart. So they're kind of like twins without being twins. Yeah, it was really fun. So they don't, they don't remember life apart because they were a year old and 18 months um, when we brought Zoe home. And so that was such a great experience. About six months after we brought Zoe home, we were like, we're going to do this again. We're going to adopt again. And we decided to go through Ethiopia the next time. Cause we'd had some friends who had a great experience there. And I had read up a lot on the country. So we signed some papers to start adopting from Ethiopia. And three days later, I found out I was pregnant with my son. So, <laughs> but that was a really hard adoption because it lasted almost five years and it was just full of all kinds of political issues. And, um, in-country issues and just, uh, yeah, can't even, that's like mm. a whole other podcast, just that that deal. But so my son was almost five years old by the time we brought Dikaya home. But the cool thing is she just blended right into the family because we had been talking about her. We had named her. We'd been praying for her since they were teeny tiny and they didn't know life without talking about her. So when she finally came home they were all so excited to have their little sister there. It was like, they just scooped her right up and she was so happy to have all these kids around her. It was, it was a really neat thing to watch. We had put her bed in my son's room and we had her picture posted on it. We had her picture on her chair, you know, like, <laughs> so she was in the house, even when she wasn't in the house. So she just blended right in when, when she got home, which was cool.
1: Beautiful family.
2: So how do you do it all? Like you're a mom, you're a wife, you're coming back to compete. How do you make this all work? I've gotten really good at juggling
0: and I have an amazing husband who is very supportive without him. I mean, honestly, none of this would have happened. So he is my biggest supporter by far. He coaches swimming, um, part-time right now. Um, so that he helps homeschool the kids in the morning while I'm training. And then I come home, high five him. He goes to coach. Yeah. So we kind of mix and match every week looks almost different now, but it's, you know, it's crazy and it's fun and we wouldn't change it. That's great.
1: This has been an exciting time having you with us, Laura. And I, and I have to ask, what have you learned about Laura Wilkinson in this comeback role as a follower of Christ? What have you learned about yourself?
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um that the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. (laughs) Um, I, it's like the better you get at something too, the more you realize you have so much more still to learn. Um, but I love that. It, it means you, it gives you kind of something to always be striving for and to always grow toward, but just, I think I love being a mom and an athlete because my perspective is really, really different this time. And, you know, as an athlete, sometimes you gotta be really like an elite athlete. You have to be really selfish and you have to put all this time into your training to make sure you're at that level you need to be at but my kids come first you know so if somebody's sick and i need to stay home like training comes second and so and that was really really hard for me um at the beginning cuz i just that's not how i had always done it and so that took a lot of work on my part to kind of get okay with that and honestly Getting the pandemic postponement and all the lockdown stuff last year was really nice because I had to work out at home with my kids all up in my business all the time, which was like uber frustrating for me who like loves to control the situation and what I'm doing. And, you know, they, they just wanted to be right next to me and doing everything that I was doing. And so I I had to kind of just let it go and be like, all right, come on in, like join me. And it was the coolest blessing because they get to now not just see mommy leave and I go do this thing outside of the house. I get to really see how hard I work and how much I do it all day long and, and how I'm just constantly, you know, working on it. And cause you know, we have some issues like where my son does something not perfect the first time and he just wants to tear it up and throw it away. And just, he's done with it. You know, we have to talk about how, like the first time you do something, it's going to be bad. <laughs> like the first time you do anything, it's probably not going to be very good, but if you want to get better, you have to work hard at it and you're going to, you're going to try and you're going to fail and you're going to try again and you're going to fail, but that's actually how you get better. And so to not just say that, but for them to actually see it has been really, really good. And also having kids, they kind of make you really not eat your words, but live up to your words. So this meet right before the lockdown last year in San Antonio, I did terrible. And I was so disappointed to have gotten third. And I just, I, I just, competed terrible. And I was so angry, but before I could really process it, I realized they were calling my name for the award stand. So I went running over to the award stand and I didn't know all my kids were following me. They were running after me. So I jumped up on the third place and they put the medal on me and all my kids like swarmed me and jumped up (laughs) were with me and they're all smiling for the pictures. (laughs) And, and it was so cute when we get off the award stand and my son goes, how come your medal's not gold mommy? (laughs) And I was, you know, it's, hard when you're upset about how you did and you wanted to have done better. And I had to really kind of, you know, bite my tongue and, and say what I needed to do even. And, and it was going to make me follow through because he's going to watch me and just say, Hey, you're not going to win every time. Like sometimes you mess up and it's disappointing and it's okay to be frustrated, but we're going to go back and we're going to figure out what I did wrong and how to get better next time, because I'm going to try again. And so it's hard to say sometimes when you're feeling that way, but I love that they're making me own it right there in the spot. And I have to process it a little bit faster so that I can communicate it to them.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's great. Thanks for uh, just sharing so vulnerably and um, your journey. And, and I know you have some stuff going on as well that you have a podcast and you have some stuff on your website that athletes could access. Do you want to share just real briefly about your podcast and what
0: you're doing? Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's called the pursuit of gold. And I started it during the pandemic. That was a great hobby to pick up. Um, and I love it. I talk to athletes and experts and coaches and, you know, I really just want to give other athletes resources and tools. Like I've never had access to many resources outside of just what our little team had. And so to learn from other athletes and other sports, even in their experiences has been really beneficial to me. And so I want to give that to other people as well. Um, and we bring sports psychologists on and all kinds of people. And so it's been really cool. Um, and I guess, to do a couple solo episodes, just sharing some of my experience. So it's, it's been really a good experience for me and I'm getting a lot of good feedback that that people are enjoying listening to it. So it's been fun and everything else you can find on my
2: website, laurawilkinson.com. Yeah. Hang out with me there. I'd love to chat. I, uh, have been privileged to be a guest on the pursuit of gold and, um, very much enjoyed that interview. And I have gleaned very much from many of your guests and I haven't had a chance to listen to everybody, but I just want to recommend this podcast after they listen to ours, of course, of course. Um, (laughs) um, But I think athletes and sports ministry leaders alike can learn from, um, what you're putting out there with the guests that you're having.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
2: thank you. And Trey, your episode has been very popular
0: on my podcast. You were very open and vulnerable about some very difficult things, and that has really spoken to people. I've gotten some great comments and feedback on that. So thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Good to hear Uh, that.
1: an Olympic diver, mom, wife, and podcaster in her spare time. She's got a lot going on there. (laughs) (laughs) Laura, thank you so much for your time. You've been outstanding. And uh, obviously, we will continue to follow and be in prayer for you and, and for your family. And uh, gosh, we thank you so much for your time today.
0: Well, thank you, Bill and Tracy. This is a lot of fun. And um, I love just being able to be open and honest about Jesus and sports and my two favorite things. Yeah, (laughs) thank you, Laura. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.